Hey everyone, and welcome to the New Visionary Podcast, a podcast for artists who are ready to reach greater heights in their art careers. I'm your host, Victoria J. Fry, founder of Visionary Art Collective and New Visionary Magazine. Join me for inspiring conversations with some of the most inspirational visionaries in today's art world. Let's jump in. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm chatting with Nicole Cure, a visual artist and entrepreneur based in Miami. Really looking forward to learning more about Nicole and sharing her journey with you today. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You are so welcome. Thank you for joining us today. I, And this is actually our first time virtually meeting. We have you know, connected over social media for a little while now, and we've exchanged many messages. But today is a special day because we actually get to see each other virtually face-to-face. And I'm just so excited to learn more about you. So, Nicole, we're just going to dive right in. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing, your family, your roots, and then we'll kind of go from there. Perfect. Thank you. So my name is Nicole Cure. Um, I'm a Colombian-American artist. I was born in Barranquilla, which is a, a very coastal town in Colombia. I always say this every time for references where Shakira is from. <laughs> there, it, there's a huge uh, Lebanese um, community and there's a lot of uh, immigrants from Italy, you know, different parts of, from Europe. So actually my family is Lebanese as well. And very happy childhood, very, you know, surrounded by a lot of family, a lot of art. My parents are artistic as well. My dad is an architect and a painter. And everything I learned at the beginning of, you know, my upbringing was, you know, based on that and art. And and my mom is a fashion designer and a textile designer. So I was always surrounded by color and beauty and, you know, drawings and blueprints. And my parents always, always encouraged me to be a creative person and to explore. And they enrolled me after, you know, school classes and, you know, cooking classes for kids and things like that, you know, collaging. So I feel like I had a little bit of a taste of everything, um, ceramics and sculpture and things like that. So um, very beautiful. um, And I got to really express myself. And my dad taught me a lot of things about art, even though I I never majored in art. I'm self-taught in the sense that I didn't go to college um, for art. Um, I actually studied advertising and communications, which I love too. I have a passion for marketing and communications, but I never stopped painting throughout my life. So from very beginning to now, I've been painting and drawing all my life. That's amazing. I actually didn't know that about your parents. And I I can't even imagine growing up in such a creative household. I mean, my family was very supportive and they are all, you know, of my uh, art pursuits and they were like very creative themselves. But I think having a mother who's a fashion designer, a father who is an architect and a painter, I can only imagine how much that would impact you. Yes, that was actually amazing. Really, I really feel fortunate because they they trusted me with that vision from the beginning. And I've always, I always call them every time I have a show or something, I tell them, even my dad is like, what color should I paint the walls? Do I do? Like, they're always like my go-to, my dad is like my go-to critic and the best shoulder I can, you know, like either cry on when I'm not feeling like I'm going in the right direction or like, he's like, he's giving me always the best advice. And, and I'm fortunate to have that. I think that's so important. And it's just so beautiful when you hear artists talk about the support they have received, because 
not every artist experiences that. You know, there are many people who question when their, you know, children want to pursue art as a career. So it's something to for sure be be grateful for. And I'm super grateful as well. I actually didn't realize how uh, lucky I was, you know, until I start grew up and left the house and met other artists who were telling me like, my family told me not to be an artist or they don't, they don't want me to be pursuing this. So it's a really, it's a really powerful and special thing. Yes, for sure. I'm so happy you also had that um, in your life because it's really a light. It's a, it's a huge support for your career as an artist. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so tell us a little bit about the work itself that you create. I've seen your gorgeous paintings on social media, on your website and, you know, Instagram, Thank of you. course. But tell us a little bit about what led you to your current process and sort of style and, and how has it evolved over time? Of course. Yeah, I always like to say I'm an abstract artist with a surrealist heart. I actually love surrealism. It's not the technique or the art form that I'm exploring at the moment. I started in my early years when um, an art professor asked me to paint a song. So I was like, how, wait, how do I paint a song? And then I kind of structured the lyrics and I did this beautiful surrealistic first painting and I was wowed and I started studying Salvador Dali and Frida Kahlo and the surrealists in Latin America and I loved it. Um, but then there was a pivotal point, you know, when everything changed and I'm, I'm really enjoying exploring abstract form right now. Um, and it was actually back in 2017 when I had a really, um, you know, life-changing episode and I had sudden hearing loss. And because of that, I couldn't balance. I had a lot of ear damage and I couldn't maintain myself standing in front of an easel. So I had to switch gears and, and try to change the way I paint. And I started painting with acrylic inks and a lot of water in kind of like in a watercolor way, a lot of abstract fluidity on the floor because it was the only way to keep myself grounded. And I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the fluidity of, you know, acrylic paint with inks. Um, it really relaxed my mind and it still does. I have ringing in the ear um, as, a, as an effect of um, a condition I was diagnosed, which is Meniere's disease, and it affects hearing and balance. And it's a very rare condition. It doesn't have a cure, so I still deal with this every day. Um, but then it art really saved me. I, I know it sounds cliche, but at that moment, I was in complete isolation. I couldn't leave my house because of the intense pain I suffered. And art brought me back to myself. I was really lost. I was going through a lot of pain and anxiety, depression, and finding a way where I could ground myself mentally and also physically because I was grounded on the floor as I painted these large canvases. And I started loving abstract form. And this is, to date, it's been three to four collections after that day, after 2017. And it all started with the colors of sound because I was actually going through a lot of audiology um, and test audiometries and I would see the, the equalizer and the waves and I wanted to tell my story in a in a very positive way. I didn't want to turn into darkness because it was already so somber. So I said, I'm going to do a collection that is very colorful, that I get to tell my story in a positive way. I don't know what's going to happen with me. I was still going through a lot of doctor appointments and, and diagnosis and all that. But I wanted to tell my story. I wanted to connect to people online. I didn't have a way to see people because I had um, a condition called hyperacusis, which is intensified 
sound. So it caused me a lot of pain. I couldn't even be on the phone or talk to my partner. It was really, really intense. So art and social media were my way to see the world and to express myself out there to the world. So this is how I transitioned from surrealism to abstract. And I am really enjoying um, this period of, I say, my art expressions. And, and I'm just exploring and continue to explore. It's beautiful. And thank you for, you know, sharing and, and being so open and vulnerable because I have heard your story before and, you know, we have exchanged many messages over social media about what it can be like to create when you have a chronic health condition and the challenges that sort of come along with that. But I think how open you are and honest about your journey and the challenges, but also how you're taking those challenges and turning them into something beautiful, you know, because I think in that situation, you could have just given up on your art, but actually you found another way to create that really resonated with you and changed the way that you were making art. It's like an incredible silver lining. Uh, and yeah, it's so I actually inspiring. call it that. I call it a silver <laughs> lining and a blessing in disguise. So I'm, I'm glad that, you know, like you, you got that from it because I could have, you're right. I could have gone and I, many times, I'm not going to say I'm not perfect. Many times I did wanted to give up. I, I felt I couldn't do it. And there's still days I battle with extreme pain and feeling isolated because I, I always feel like I've been in isolation before the pandemic and so many, I, I lost so many parts of myself and, you know, like things that I wanted to do, but I'm no longer able to do like several activities. I used to dance and rollerblade. I still do a little bit, but it's not like I, I get very dizzy and nauseous and I'm down for days. So I have to always think like, if I do this, I'm not going to be able to paint tomorrow. If I do this, I'm going to be in bed with a migraine for, you know, last last time I had a migraine was last month. I had nine days in bed. I couldn't oh, do anything. So it's a lot of ups and downs and an emotional roller coaster. But I feel like when you're passionate about something, you find a way. You find a way because art is really medicine. We've talked about this Um since I was little, like I always ran into to different things and challenges, you know, and then art always saved me. And now it's been like a great healer, but it's been a hard journey. I'm not going to say it has been easy. Yeah. And I think one thing, you know, that you said that really stood out to me and that I can definitely relate to, and I think our listeners will as well, is that every day is different. You have some days you you know, especially when you live with a chronic condition, when you don't know when it's going to kick up. And so when you have a good day, I, I used to say like, you know, there were times where I would call my mom just crying and I'm, I know you have had those experiences and we continue to have those days sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I would just say like, I'm having such a good day. I don't want it to end because I don't know if tomorrow is going to be the same or if my health condition is just going to kick up tomorrow morning because you just don't know. But I think your mindset uh, and your approach and the way that you kind of handle it is like, I'm feeling from you a lot of acceptance of just like, this is what it is. I can't change it. And so I just have to do my best and like give you, you give yourself grace on the hard days and you don't guilt yourself or shame yourself for not being able to do the things you want to do, even though it's incredibly frustrating. You just have to move into, you know, like a radical acceptance of whatever it is. Exactly. And 
And yes, and that's correct. And it's been a lesson that I've been have to, you know, I paid the the price to learn that lesson because um, I'm a perfectionist with many things and having to just let go and give up the power to look today's not the day I have great ideas in my mind, but my body is not responding and I have to embrace that. And then maybe that's a day where instead of painting, I do a little bit of light admin tasks or vice versa. It's a day that I cannot be in a computer, the screens, and I try to do simple studies, you know, with watercolors or something that I know it's not, it's just for me. It's just to release my grieving, you know, my pain and, and kind of, and then the next day is better. It's like when you do, when you have a good cry, right? The next day you feel better. Um, but I feel like when you bottle up all these emotions, it's not going to serve you any good. It's just going to create more resentment towards the things that you cannot do or you cannot change. So I've, I've learned this lesson the hard way, but I'm still continuing to learn. And, and what you say, radical acceptance, you have to radically accept that, that's a condition that doesn't have a cure yet for me. And I have to just go around it and manage it. And And I've been very transparent. And I tell the people around me and even on social media, this is what it is. I wish I could release 10 collections a year. I can't. I have to go at my pace. And many deadlines I have to sometimes, you know, no, I, I'm not able to achieve them. And I have to understand that. And I go at my own pace. I can't compare myself to the career of another artist. I, I just can't. So I do my best and I show up being my best as much as I can. I mean, I literally just, I have chills, honestly, from hearing you say that because it's so true. Like we cannot compare ourselves to other artists because everyone is on their own path. And who knows? Like we were even chatting before this podcast about how Instagram, you know, or social media, we see everyone's highlights, but we don't always see what they're struggling with. So you might even see an artist who is seemingly very successful on social media, but we're not seeing the struggles that they're going through. They're human and they probably have them too. That's know? right. Yeah. And and I'm sure they have, they have, this. Yeah. they're leading. Some, some of them are way too perfect, right? Like, and, and you know, it can be everybody. We all go through a lot of different things. We go through loss. We go through sadness to life altering conditions and just the environment itself. But I get it. You know, we, we are artists and we're visual artists. So we want to show visually something beautiful, right? To show it's like your portfolio, which is amazing, right? But also I feel like you need to kind of let go of that perfection that we were discussing right before um, recording that it's not going to serve us any good and it's not going to serve anybody any good because nobody's perfect. We're all in our own journey of discovery and growing, you know, and, and that's, as an artist, it's a good thing to have, like, we learn a lot about our mistakes and their happy accidents while you're creating. So even that, it's amazing. Many of my collections have been born from an accident while I was painting. I was like, wow, this is really cool. This effect, never thought this was going to happen with this ink. And look, now I have like a full-on collection in mine and it has developed like that. So it's amazing. It, it really is amazing. And I think it's kind of like the more you pay attention to those things, the more you can start to really see the beauty in them. And, and I love the term like happy accident or, you know, whatever it might be, but just this idea of like you make a mistake or a painting or an artwork that you're, you're creating doesn't exactly happen the way you had planned, but something really beautiful comes if you're paying attention. Exactly. 
And if you give yourself to it, like if, if you know, okay, this is not what I had in mind, but look at how beautiful this came out. Like I wasn't even thinking it was going to turn out like this. Yeah, it truly is about just this idea of letting go of perfectionism. And I started to lean really deep into this idea recently because I realized um, I was rereading Big Magic by Liz Gilbert. Who, oh, that's my favorite book. <laughs> it's so good, right? It's so, so I go back good. to it every time. I have it like handy because I feel like any page yes. you open has pearls of wisdom. Every page. every It is like, I think, the holy grail of literature on and creativity. she's so real though, right? She's, she's super so real. She's so real. She's so real. And one thing that stood out to me, which I feel like is so connected to what we're speaking about is perfectionism is fear in high-heeled shoes. And it's so true. It's just like a fancier version of fear, but it is still just a fear-based thing. And so exactly. we, I think as artists, we have to learn to let go of perfectionism in our work, or we're not going to actually enjoy the process. We're going to end up kind of being a little bit tortured by it. That's right. And then what's the point, right? When we were kids, we we drew, we created because of the pure joy and the creation process. I mean, you yeah. got to enjoy the process. You got to learn by your mistakes. I mean, if you're not making mistakes, we're not learning anything. 100%. And I love the quote, make mistakes faster. That's like one that I live by because it's like, don't try to not make mistakes or like avoid making mistakes, make them and make them as quick as you can so that you can move on faster. (laughs) It's like, okay, I'm not going that way. (laughs) This is not what, you know, like I learned that this is not my forte. This is not my thing. And this is my thing. So good. I'm glad that I did that. So I could know what I'm information. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's information that we can use to change direction or do whatever it is we need to do. Um, but another question that I had for you is I know that you also work full time and you have your art career. How is that? Because I also, you know, we're having this beautiful conversation about managing a chronic health condition, chronic pain while you are pursuing your career as an artist. And I think it's also so important to talk about and just to be really candid about what it's like to pursue your art career when you're working a full-time job or a part-time job. And so hard (laughs) and nobody talks about it until they do. And you're like, wow, I can relate with that person. So yes, actually it's really hard and frustrating at many, many times. I'm like, what am I doing? But the truth, the reality is, I think humans were very multifaceted. We're, I'm a multi-passionate person. I'm, I'm, I'm not just an artist. I'm not just a visual artist. I love communications. I love, I studied at some point in my life, radio production, TV production. I love all the things. I love creativity in all its forms. Um, I even have plans to create a lifestyle brand and that's something that's coming up in the future with textiles and things like that. So I've been, that's been on my to-do list for a while. And I hate it when like, you know, that you go the path of like, I'm just this one thing. So to, to respond to your question, yes, I studied advertising. I, I worked for many years in ad, um, campaigns for huge brands, like different brands, cars, um, uh, you know, food uh, companies and uh, luxury companies and many things. And I really enjoy the process. And now I have a full-time job when I'm a marketing director and it's extremely challenging, but I feel like it's also good because 
it, it allows me to focus more in like the things like when I do have the time for my studio, I'm more, I'm hyper-focused because I know I, I don't have all the time in the world to achieve what I need to achieve. Now, yes, do I want to be a full-time artist eventually? Of course. At this point, I'm, I'm really enjoying the process. It's really, you know, it's a good position. It's a, it's a good role for me. Um, and it's, you know, it, it allows me to learn and make a living. And I also can make a living with my art. And they both complement each other. And actually, the people at my, at my work, they're very supportive of my art. They go to all my shows. They literally, I have a show next week. They all ask me, like, when is it? Where is it? We're going to be there. And they ask me about my process. They, they follow me on Instagram. So uh, before, I used to have this huge taboo. Like, I didn't want to mix the two lives that I had. Like, oh, I'm this marketing director, but I'm also an artist. And I'm wearing suits at work. And then I'm wearing my sneakers and, like, ripped jeans and the studio. But I, And I'm like, let me not post that photo because then my boss will see it. And then it's like, look, I've, I've read the biographies of many artists and they used to have full-time jobs and they used to work in finance and they, they used to be a chemist. There was an artist, I don't remember who it was, but he was a chemist during the day. And then at night he would paint and he was this famous artist. And I'm like, I feel like that stigma of like having two separate lives were, were many things. And, and you and I as entrepreneurs, I mean, you have so many beautiful projects you've created. You're a visual artist, you're a painter. But you also do so many other things. You have a beautiful publication. You have coaching. So why do you have to let go of other passions of yours just because you want to fit in a box that I'm only going to do this. I want to be known for this. I feel there's so much beauty on showing the world. And, you know, like in Big Magic, they said, like, you need to use your talents and put them to to serve others. And I think that's what I'm doing. And, and I feel like life will guide you to the moment, like it will guide me to the moment where I have to choose, like, look, I'm, I'm being super busy here. Maybe the path for me right now is to just be full-time art. And that's, I think, eventually I'm getting there. And it's going to come to the point where I'll make the decision and I'll be completely happy with that decision. So why not, right? Absolutely. And I just... I think it's so, I love hearing you talk about it because you just actually hit on so many important points. And one of them is that it's really, I think, vital that we start to normalize having multiple jobs. There are many more artists I know who are alive and working today or who, you know, are no longer with us. But like in general, I'm, I know so many more artists who have either a part-time or full-time job in addition to their art career. And Yes, it. Th- I think it, there's like two parts to it. One is that it has its challenges. Absolutely. There are so many times where I think, oh my gosh, I just wish I had a few more hours in the studio, just a couple more hours a week in the studio. Uh-huh. You know, it's like you crave it. But also um, it does teach you to really value your time and you do become incredibly focused when you're working. And then the flip side of that is that, you know, if we're looking at the strengths of it, of having a job, whether it's part-time or full-time, and also pursuing your art career. Another strength is just financially, it can help to support your art career and it doesn't put all of the pressure. I don't want to generalize because it's so different for every artist and it's a really personal decision. But I think that, you know, sometimes when we decide, like I've worked with artists in the past who quit their part-time or full-time jobs very, very, very early on to pursue a career as an artist. Yes, there's a level of that that's like, okay, just go for it. Just dive right in. 
But what I have found is that sometimes, not all the time, uh, it can lead to a lot of financial stress and a lot of pressure to sell the work. And then all of a sudden, uh, the artist isn't even enjoying making the work anymore because they feel very stressed out by... I was just going to say that yeah. in Big Magic, she talks about it. She talks she about putting the pressure, mm-hmm. the financial pressure on your creative practice. So the fact that you now need to become a machine and produce thousand works a year because you need to pay your rent. I'm not saying it's impossible. I know many artists who do that. And oh my God, I, I, I would love to be in that place mm-hmm. where I'm like, look, I literally have to paint so a hundred paintings a, a week because I can't keep up. It's so much demand, um, but also have a health condition. So I have yeah. to do what is best for myself. And also the fact that what you're just saying, and I know in Big Magic, I read it, like the minute you start putting all the pressure on that creative endeavor, then you become a slave of that creative. And it's like, okay, let me, it's no longer, let me see how this painting develops through the months, or let me see where I'm going with this. It's like, no, I have to complete this in X time because I have to pay my bills. And and that's where it becomes, I don't know. It, it, for me, it loses the magic. I I, I want to have the time to to reflect on what I'm creating mm-hmm. and to give it space to breathe and to grow. And right now, I feel that's what's happening. And I feel like when you become a slave of your practice, it's no longer giving you that joy, you know. Yeah. And, and that's and, and I feel like what you're saying is true. It's just like we're trying to normalize and now before nobody. I, I remember going to galleries at the earlier in my career, and they would tell me. Oh, so are you like a full-time artist? And I'm like, no. Oh, so you're not a real artist. Yes, I've had that too. Oh my gosh. What do you mean? I paint more than many other artists I see in galleries, like literally producing a lot of work. And they're like, no, because if you were committed, you would be a full-time artist and you wouldn't care if you lived under a bridge. I'm like, I'm sorry, but that's not (laughs) the type of life. (laughs) <laughs> I want to have. I feel like as an artist, I deserve to live in a house and, and have food on the table. So yes. I had a lot of rejections because I wasn't available on a Tuesday morning to go talk to a gallerist. And they're like, oh, well, oh my gosh. you have another job. That means this is not your priority in life. And this I, is so wrong. It, it's so yeah. wrong. And I actually... Oh my gosh, it's hitting so close to home, Nicole, because I had an experience and this is totally bringing me back a few, like, gosh, I don't know how many years ago it was, but I was invited to show my work uh, in a gallery to to, like bring in my physical paintings and show them to the gallery director who was interested in working with me. And he asked me if he could come to my studio on a Tuesday morning at like like 9 a.m. And I said, you know, because I taught for many years before diving into VAC and going full time and I was teaching art at the time and I said, oh, I'm actually going to be, you know, teaching at that time. And he was just like absolutely baffled, you know, and he said, oh, you, you know, you're a teacher and you're not just a full time artist. And I could feel the judgment. And I actually knew in that moment that I did not want to work with him Of course, (laughs) because I thought whoever I work with is not only going to understand that I also just genuinely love, this kind of goes back to this idea of like how important it is to embrace being multi-passionate. Not only was I pursuing teaching because it was giving me financial stability, which let's be honest, it was, I also genuinely love teaching. I've always had a passion for teaching and it's something I didn't want to give up at that time. So we have to just 
yeah, normalize it. And I think it's, it's this old fashioned sort of myth that, you know, it goes back to the starving artist myth. If you're that committed, you will, you would give your life to your art practice. It's not healthy. It's really toxic actually to perpetuate that narrative. Exactly. It's not, it's not good. And it's been too long of an narrative. Like it's been going yes. around for too long. It's time to change that. A hundred percent. And so I just love that we're having this conversation and I admire you and your approach and how you are just like, listen, I want a nice house. I want nice things. Like I just a really a decent I standard. Hard. I yeah. wake up super early. I, I go to bed super late. I work yeah. weekends on my studio where I don't even see the light of day because I'm loving it. But I have yeah. so many things that I've said no to because I yeah. have my art career and my priority while having a full-time job and dealing with, let's be honest, chronic pain. It doesn't go away. I have chronic pain every single day of my life and it's not yeah. easy. And I feel like as artists, we need to normalize those things because we're not doing any favors if we're not being real. Like if if you're talking to an artist who's being, who has a career in a gallery, makes you believe that everything is perfect and people, you know, like her, it's not true. I mean, we've all gone through rejection and we've gone through maybe false expectations of a person, of a brand that you want to work with and it, it didn't end up being a good fit or a good match for you. You have to be real and say, not everything is perfect because if you don't learn or you don't listen to these stories from your peers, you're going to feel like you're the problem. Like you're, oh, yes. I'm the one who's getting rejected. I'm the one who didn't work for this gallery or this brand. It's like a match between a partner. Sometimes it works when you're dating someone. Sometimes it's not a match. And that's the same way with the galleries. And the same way artists need, they need galleries sometimes, not all the times. Galleries need artists. So it needs yes. to be a mutually beneficial relationship. And, and that's it. Absolutely. And, and you should never settle for a gallery or any opportunity that isn't uh, where you're not feeling fully supported. I had been working with an artist in the fall who was ending a relationship with a curator that was not healthy. And uh, she was very nervous. And I think part of this is trusting and truly believing that there are more curators out there. And that's something I really worked with her on was like, this is not the only curator. That's right. You yeah. know, there are so many others. And actually by staying in this unhealthy relationship with this. And you can feel it. You can feel when something is not working. And I feel like, let's be honest, like how many times you've applied for an opportunity that you really wanted and maybe it didn't happen, but then something better comes along without you forcing it. And you're like, Oh wow! If yeah. I had said yes to this, I wouldn't have been available for this other opportunity yes. that now I love the most. And you don't know that until it happens, because at the moment you're upset. You're like, it didn't work out, and I thought it was gonna work out, and it wasn't. It wasn't meant for you. And that's I want to believe that. I do believe in energies and how people and things move around you. And I feel like definitely, if you miss it many times, it's look, it wasn't for you. So. A hundred percent. And do something else. Totally. And it's like, I think it, it kind of reminds me of this idea, which I've really started to embrace, which I encourage everyone to embrace, which is like, you show up, you do everything you can, and then you let go and you surrender and just trust that, you know, the universe or uh, whatever you want to call it is out there helping you to achieve whatever it is that you want. And if you really trust that on a deep level, then when those things that don't work out for you happen, 
of course, it's normal to feel a sense of like, oh, I'm super bummed. I really wanted this. You know, allow yourself to feel that for sure. But also just like tap into that inner trust that there's something else that is going to happen for you that is better and and really going to propel you in the direction you want to move in. But it, it's a lot of tr- just trusting. Uh, it's do, it's doing the work and showing up and then also trusting. You know, I think those things all have to happen together. That's true. I also love a quote. I, of course, I always, I'm, I'm great at remembering the quotes, but not like <laughs> staying in the quote. But uh, there's like the productivity has to find you working or luck has to find you oh working. Oh my God. Like you're, oh, you're so lucky. You got that show. I'm like, I've been painting all my life. I've been putting myself out there. I've been applying to go. So when you do get a good opportunity, there's some people like, oh my God, how did you get that? Like, it didn't fall from the sky. I've been following this gallery or this curator, this opportunity, and I really worked hard in my studio and in, you know, putting myself out there or creating these. um, Sometimes you have to send a write-up or something. And it's funny how nothing is easy. You, it's a process. You have to become, I mean, of course, there's opportunities that are easier, but I feel like that quote is amazing because opportunity finds you, but you're working. You're working. Yeah, you're yeah. working. Exactly. It's so funny you say that. That's one of my all-time favorite quotes as oh, well. And it's like <laughs> how I live my life. I'm like, you True. just, you have to show up, give it your all, do your best, stay focused. And And that's one thing, because I think that actually when you do that, you're creating a kind of energy, you know, you have to create that energy and then you start attracting. And on Uh, the same way, on the contrary, when you are in a slump, like you're not feeling at all creative and things mm -hmm. are not going your way, it feels like it's even getting worse. Like you're like, wow, like right now nothing's happening. I, I don't know why I can get things right in the studio. There's nothing that's really moving. I feel like there's stagnant energy. And I feel at those moments, you have to switch gears and maybe work in a completely different project or work on yourself or be more active or work out more. I don't know, to get out of that funk because it happens. Sometimes you are like, what is nothing? It's happening. What's happening? And to shift your focus is actually, I have found the best thing to do um, in those moments. Like you're saying, it's just instead of perseverating over it and kind of sitting at the computer waiting for that email to come or waiting for that person to get back to you, shift your focus, go do something almost to the point where you forget about it. And then mm-hmm. half, half the time, if not more than half the time, you know, when it I'm, yeah. yeah, it happens. Like, but you have to kind of like, I, I think actually when this is something that I think Kat Popova said to me a long time ago, which is you have to almost think of it like dating. Yes. <laughs> and if you're too available all the time, true, <laughs> it's, it's not like, you know, a, an attractive energy. You have to kind of like, you know, show up and do, do the work and then just like go do your own thing and trust that whatever's going to happen will work out. And uh, because if you are available all the time and you're just kind of sitting there waiting for things to happen, it's like the way I think of it is like you're watching a pot to boil. Yeah, that's pretty much. <laughs> and it, the time goes so slowly. Yes. I'm even more frustrated. That's why I love to be multi-passionate and I love to be busy. Yeah. Not in that, obviously not in the unhealthy way. There's mm-hmm. days that I say I literally can't do anything today and I'm going to roll with that. I'm just going to go for a walk. I'm going to try to like catch up in my reading or that beautiful movie I wanted to watch and and before I used to even feel guilty when I was mm-hmm. because I was like actively resting like I was trying to rest but I was doing something in my mind like working like let me yeah. just have my laptop here while I watch a movie and I wasn't even 
neither working or watching the movie because yes. I'm doing both. And now I'm like trying to force myself more like, no, if it's about reading a book, it's reading the book and highlighting the book and taking it all in. And if that day is because I knew that I couldn't get anything done, I kind of surrendered myself and I said, this is what I'm going to do. But back to your point of like being busy and not having to wait and sit in there, it's, it's just like giving yourself opportunity to do other things. Um, I have a very creative um, partner, like he's a, he's a music producer, he's a songwriter and he's an amazing musician and he tells me like a lot of my art and my compositions come from life from reading from watching a beautiful film not just about music like so it's good to to listen to podcasts about other things outside art just listen to podcasts about productivity business entrepreneurship animal welfare (laughs) we're talking about that because that all gives you the full picture of life and you're able to bring this into the studio and create other narratives. So I think it's so important to not just like just focus on I'm an artist. I'm going to read about art. I'm like, that's amazing. But you also have to read about other things that are going on, culture, travel, explore, try to try to learn another language, just activate other areas in your brain. And that's how I like to see it. Yeah, because I, I think this is such an important point, too, because the, the work that we create actually is. Uh, you know, whether it's conscious or subconscious, it ends up being a culmination of all the parts of our life that inspire us. And so when you are an artist, I actually think, you know, going back to this idea of like giving yourself completely to your art and not doing anything else, it can be detrimental because when you are out in the world and you're having those real life experiences, you know, that you're describing, it's actually only going to strengthen your Mm -hmm. art and your practice. Like, I can't paint every single day and sometimes I can't even paint every single week. But Mm -hmm. what I try to do is in the morning, if I'm going for a walk, if I'm running, you know, I'm focusing on on painting like trees right now. And so I'll take photos of the trees and I'll bring them back into my studio. And it's like the more you can do that with other parts of your life that, you know, bring you joy and fulfillment, it's just naturally going to find its way into your creative work. That's right. And you'll find like you, if you go for a walk, you will find this beautiful texture and a leaf. I do that a lot. I take photos of um, things with like a flowers or things that I find because for me, it's all like you said, information. It's, it's information. Your brain is going to connect the dots. And yeah, it's a beautiful thing. You know, you just have to bring it all in and bring it back into your studio and, and create from from experiences. Oh my gosh. I love this. I, I actually feel so inspired right now. I do. I feel so. Me too. This conversation is amazing. I know. I'm feeling like inspired and uplifted and, uh, but I want to, I want to give you a chance because I also am just so curious to, for you to talk about like what you are working on right now. I know you have some really cool things coming up. So tell us what are you working on now in the studio? What, what do you have coming up this year in 2020? 23. Tell us all the things. Okay. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share that. I just finished a collection that I really wanted to get out of in my system. I was um, really, uh, last year I concentrated a lot in neutral um, abstract works. It, I was going through a lot of neck pain and migraines and I couldn't really even like stare at like colorful color palettes. Things would just give me a lot of I don't know, distraction in my brain. So I wanted to concentrate on, on a very soothing color palette. And I and I released a collection that was very calm. But then 
couple of months ago, color really came back to me, like like this hot, like hot pink saturated that I had never like painted with, and I and I wanted to do something very whimsical, like kind of related to Miami and summer and like happiness. And I created a collection called uh, the Bubblegum and Midnight Blues because I listen to a lot of blues at midnight while I'm painting. So I said something cool like Bubblegum Pink, and I developed this full collection. And now next week, I actually I'm going to be exhibiting for the first time. It's a super fine art fair here in Miami. Um, so that's really great. And But then after that, now I'm craving back neutrals. So I'm going to go back to that. And I feel that's, again, before I used to not give myself permission. But it's like, look, I, I'm going through the motions. I'm going through waves. This is how I feel. This is kind of like I go by intuition. I, I, I did this collection. I got that urge out. I created this. And now I'm back to, you know, exploring more of the neutrals on raw canvas. And I have two gallery exhibits coming up. I'm also super excited to be exhibiting in Colombia. They invited me to galleries to exhibit in my hometown in Barranquilla, Colombia. So I've been in talks with two different galleries there. And it's kind of like going back home, both physically and spiritually, because I moved here 23 years ago and I had never had a chance to exhibit in my own country. So I'm in talks with the two galleries and, you know, for collective shows. And I'm really, really excited and there's other opportunities here that I've applied to, um, you know, right now I'm in like the waiting period. So wish me luck. <laughs> and, and I'm always um, what I mentioned about the lifestyle brand. Uh, two years ago, I launched a collection of scarves with abstract prints and textures. And because my mom is a fashion designer, because I grew up with that texture and color and figurines and, and that I've always had that side of me. Um, and I want to kind of dive deep into that. There's an opportunity to do something also with a Colombian brand that manufactures um, textures. And I would love to expand that collection and do other things for the home because I think you should be surrounded by art. And not everybody has a space or a wall, you know, for a painting. So I want to make a different story for people. Like actually myself, I collect art from other artists as well. And I was telling like my family, like, I don't have more space. Like I wish I could continue buying, but like, but then like, I feel like scarves are a nice gift and, and I want to do like part two of that collection. So that's in the works. Uh, but my main thing, it's always painting and creating and exploring. Uh, it's, it's my own medicine. There's not a week that goes by without me painting, and some days are not great in the studio. Like the other day I was in the studio, I spent there five hours. I was like, okay, this is just not, this is not what I had in mind, but it's good practice. You're moving your hands, you're moving your brain and exploring things and colors. And, and I, I'm, I'm really positive about this year. Last year was, I went through a lot of sadness and pain. And this year, I'm not saying I'm out of the water. I'm still experiencing a lot of chronic pain, but I kind of have a better outlook this year because of the opportunities that are coming up. So I'm very excited. And that has me like, there's a spark in me this year because there's a lot of opportunities that are presented to me and, and I really want to pursue them. So I'm excited about this year and see what's in the works. Yeah. I love that. And I'm so excited for you. You have a lot happening right now and you are so deserving, honestly, Thank of you. all of these amazing opportunities. And I also just really love what you said about, because um, this is also something that is really important to remember is even if you have a, a session in the studio for, you know, three hours or five hours or an entire day, 
and it doesn't yield any tangible results. You know, I've had those days too where I've like ran to the studio. I've been so excited to paint and I left six hours later with really nothing to show for it. But I love how you said like you're still moving your body. You're still, it's, you're still engaging in that creative thinking. It's never time wasted. It's no. never time wasted. Exactly. No, it's, it never is actually because you always discover something. Always, always. No matter materials, even the brush strokes. Like you try different brush strokes and you literally are moving your body. You're not just being like static in the couch watching TV, you're moving, you're moving, you're taking that energy out of it. So I think it's important. It's really, really important to just stay engaged with the process, whether it's yielding, you know, quote unquote results or not, you're still learning something. And sometimes you actually learn more from some days I leave the studio and I think, okay, well, at least I know that that color combination did not work or I have to get better paints or, you know, that's like the other week I experienced it with the texture of my canvas was just really, really off because I had painted over it so many times. So I just couldn't get to that place. But I'm like, you know what? I'll take it off. I'll reuse the stretcher bars. And you can always leave with a plan of what to do next. That's and, you know, it's always and information. Be surprised. Sometimes that that you tried comes back to you in six months and you now find a way to repurpose that. It's, I've had paintings that have been in my studio for like a year or two that I hated. <laughs> like, let's be honest. I'd be like, I don't know. I didn't achieve the color. And then something that I saw traveling or something like really reminded me of that painting. I'm like, you know what? Now I know how to finish that painting. And yes, it's so true. There. Yeah. I think that's part of it too. It's like being okay with unfinished work. It's something I'm working on is not feeling like I have to finish everything all the time, but like being okay if there's a few unfinished pieces sitting in the corner. Uh, And I definitely have a collection of those. Oh yeah. A lot. And sometimes I'm staring at them. Like I know you're staring (laughs) at me, (laughs) Uh, but why force it? Right. I just start another one and see if I find a way back to them. Yeah. I love that. Uh, well, Nicole, I, you know, we could totally continue the conversation because for you hours, are just such yeah. for hours. You're just such a joy to to talk to. And Thank this is too. such an amazing conversation. So incredible to learn more about you. And um, I will include all of your information in the show notes, but where can our uh, listeners learn more about you? Sure. Thank you. I'm actually very active on my Instagram. I'm always showing up there behind the scenes, what I do every day. So um, my name with two L's, Nicole Cure, C-U-R-E, underscore art. And that's where you find me the most or my website, NicoleCure.com. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. I am so grateful that you took the time to join us today and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in and supporting our platform. To learn more about New Visionary Magazine, head over to visionaryartcollective.com magazine. You can order individual copies on Amazon or subscribe annually to digital issues. We also have opportunities to get featured in the magazine, so be sure to join our newsletter and follow us on Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes or tag us on Instagram. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.